0: chapter 11. We continue our journey through our core values. We rolled out our mission statement uh, five weeks ago, which um, it was our old mission statement with different words, love God, build the church, reach the world. And then starting three weeks ago, we started rolling out our core values. And if if you grabbed a bulletin today, hopefully you grabbed a bulletin, you're going to see that it looks a little different than it normally does. It's not blue anymore, it's white, And on the front, we've got this circle, and we've got both our mission statement and our core values. And we wanted to give you a visual. We wanted to give you something that will help you understand how it all kind of fits together, the purpose of why we're doing what we are doing. So I don't know if you keep your church bulletins or not. You might want to start, and this would be something that would really help you understand. Big picture, who are we? What are we about? Two weeks ago we talked about Word and how we we are a church of the book and that um, I have some really strong opinions on things. I can tell you the best baseball team to cheer for. I can tell you who some of my favorite political candidates are. I could go down that road, but it doesn't really matter what I think in the big scheme of things because I shouldn't necessarily be your authority when it comes to baseball or when it comes to politics or, or, or issues along those lines. When it comes to issues of faith, God's Word is our authority. We are a people of the book, we're a people of the word. That's why we're challenging all of you to be in the word every day. Today, we're in Acts chapter 12. If you're doing the the daily Bible readings together, there is power when all of God's people, at least in one church, are reading God's word, the same part of God's word, together. That's why we're doing this this Monday uh, Bible memory class, Hide and Seek at the Y. And if you haven't checked it out, come on out tomorrow, 11.30. We'll be looking at two of the I Am statements of Jesus. Um, I am the resurrection and the life, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Last week, I thought Samuel hit a home run with a message on worship. The, The big idea, if you missed it, is it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And so today we dive into core value number three. We're talking about prayer. And just to kind of help you understand what we mean about prayer, prayer is important because it helps us deepen our relationship with God and it helps us determine God's will for our lives. We grow closer in our relationship with the Lord, but we also better are able to determine what is God calling us to do. Now, I've got to be honest, I had a hundred different passages of Scripture that I could have leaned on as we look at prayer. There there are that many important passages of Scripture about prayer between Old Testament and New Testament. And I decided to pick what's probably a really familiar passage. You're probably going to hear it, and if you've been around the church at all for any amount of time, you're probably going to be like, well, I know that. I've heard that. And, And yet, I want us to look at it with fresh eyes, I want us to look at it in the context to which Jesus gives this teaching. So let's just dive in together. Luke chapter 11, I'm going to read the first 13 verses. It says that one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and he says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And then the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, some translations say persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. "'Knock, and the door will be opened to you. "'For everyone who asks, receives. "'He who seeks, finds. "'And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. "'Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, "'will give him a snake instead? "'Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? "'If you then, though you are evil, "'know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so the context, it's really simple. One of the disciples, we don't know which one. I'm guessing Peter because Peter's the one that's always blurting out, always saying things. One of them says, Lord, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples, we want to know how to pray. And Jesus could have said a lot of different things. And he gives them what's kind of, I believe, a condensed version of what we know as the Lord's Prayer. From the Sermon on the Mountain. And and so maybe this is after the Sermon on the Mountain, and Jesus is just giving them kind of here's six things that I want you to pray. Maybe it's before the Sermon on the Mountain. We don't really know for sure. But what we get here is what I'm calling a paradigm of prayer. And, And here's the point: for a lot of people, when you come to church and the preacher gets ready to preach on prayer, here's where you go. You go one of two places, maybe both. One, you say, Well, of course I should pray of course i should be a person of prayer but the second place a lot of people go and i'll be honest with you it's where i go a lot of times i'm just not very good at prayer i don't feel like that's a strength of my spiritual life i'm not someone that would be considered a giant in prayer and so for the whole rest of the message you're kind of like on edge And and you're kind of thinking, is the preacher going to be stomping on my toes, and am I going to leave feeling like a bad person because I'm not a better prayer? Don't go there this morning. Let's try to look at this paradigm. Let's try to look at some of the teachings about prayer. And then let's see what we can do with our life today. I'm going to leave everybody today with a challenge. So what's the paradigm of prayer? Well, it's really a six-fold paradigm of prayer. I'll go through it pretty quickly. Jesus says, when you pray, pray to God the Father, and here's what you should pray. Number one, pray that holy is your name. Before you pray any requests, Aunt Bessie needs this, Uncle Tom needs that. Before you go anywhere like that, let God know you acknowledge he is holy. Hallowed is his name. Number two, bring your kingdom here. We sing that song all the time in this service. And it's an appropriate song to sing. Build your kingdom here. I I can't wait till all the Christ followers get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. It's going to be awesome. But let's don't just wait for that. Jesus says bring your kingdom here, build your kingdom here. Three, provide for our needs. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, I have needs. Sometimes they're financial needs, sometimes they're interpersonal needs, sometimes they're physical needs. Now, just the preacher and me needs to throw this in there. There's a difference between a want and a need. And sometimes we think the want is a need. So, So keep that in mind. But there's nothing wrong with saying, God, provide for my needs. Number four, here's where it gets tough for some of us. Forgive us of our sins. 1 John 1, 9, verse of truth. God is faithful. He is just. He'll forgive us our sins if we confess them. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins. Jesus says a regular staple of your prayer life should be asking for forgiveness for your sins. And if you're sitting there and you're saying, but I don't sin, I've got it all together, Um, that's a sin right there to think that thought. We've all missed the mark. Now, a lot of times, sin, well, I'm keeping the Big Ten, I'm not murdering, I'm not committing adultery, I haven't robbed a bank lately, everything is good. Um, Just With humility, I throw this out to you, that gossip is a sin. Slander is a sin. Have you slandered any brothers or sisters in Christ this week? Have you gossiped about anyone this week? Have some of the things maybe that you've put on social media not been holy and pleasing to God? Just forgive us our sins. Number five is even tougher. And that's help me to forgive others. See, it's one thing to say, God, I need a Savior. I need Jesus. This sin's got a hold of me. These sins have a hold of me. Forgive me. You know he's going to forgive you. He said he's going to forgive you. It's a lot tougher. God, help me to forgive him. God, help me to forgive her. And, and just, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this scripture reference on the side, Matthew 6, 14, and 15. It's smack dab middle in the Sermon on the mount. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Here's what Jesus said. If you forgive others, God's forgiven you. If you refuse to forgive others, not good news for you. God's not gonna forgive you. So some of us, we showed up today with a burden toward another person, maybe another follower of Jesus. We gotta let it go. And and we need God's help to let it go. That's why that's part of the paradigm of prayer. And then number six, keep us from evil. If you were a compulsive gambler, let's just say, and you worked in Peoria near the Paradise Casino, uh, it'd be really tough probably to go to work every day and to see that temptation and to have it in front of you. And so if you really wanted to overcome that compulsion that's getting the best of you, you'd probably have to look yourself in the mirror every day and say, Greg, today you can pull this off. You can overcome this temptation. You can overcome this challenge. And here's the thing. We all have something that Satan's trying to use to get a foothold on us. And if it's gossip, tomorrow morning wake up and say, God, help me not to gossip today. Help me know when to click off Facebook Help me when to know to leave the group text. Help me to be above that, whatever that may be. Keep me from evil. So that's the paradigm of prayer. And if you're in that category of person that says, I'm not very good at prayer, man, use that paradigm of prayer. Jesus gave it to his disciples. We, We could use it. It could transform your prayer life. But Jesus doesn't stop there. We could have stopped with verse 4, and that would have been a good chunk of Scripture, and we could have called it a day. But I think there's some other things that we need to see. And here's the other thing that we need to see. Jesus gives a challenge for your prayer life. Jesus gives a challenge for my prayer life, and that is to be bold. That is to be persistent. It's the same Greek word. Some, Some translations translate it bold. Others translate it persistent. I'm not a Greek scholar. I think persistent is probably the better translation, but either way, too many followers of Jesus today are not bold in their prayer life. They're not persistent in their prayer life. Um, I want to share an illustration, and he's in here today, so don't go up and talk to him about it afterwards, because he'll be mad at you, Uh, be mad at me if you go and you do that, but my son Peyton, for a a period of time, um, gave us a health scare Because he went and he was seeing a doctor and they did some blood work and his liver enzymes were very elevated. And, you know, you only have one liver. And, you know, you just start thinking of all the things that could be wrong, and we couldn't get really any good answers, had a lot of I don't knows. When people have MD, no no offense, Susan, but when you have the MD after the name, you want answers. And when the answer is I don't know, stress takes place. And so we really kept this under the radar. This was probably maybe an eight, nine, ten-month plan uh, period of time that was unfolding and i didn't really share it with very many people didn't even share it with the staff here and i felt really convicted in december um, becky glenn had sent me an email about a different thing i felt really convicted that i wasn't bold enough in my prayer life there was too many things that i didn't want to share uh, out loud for whatever reason so i told my sunday school class and i shared it with reload for men and I think I even cried one time talking about it. And I just said, you know, I just want you guys to pray about this. We want some answers. We want to figure it out. And so I started talking publicly about that in, in mid to late December. Well, the last week of December, Peyton went in for blood, routine blood work. And we didn't hear anything, and we didn't think anything about it. And so about three weeks after that, we went to the doctor because he had a cold or something, something along those lines. And the doctor just said, well, did you ever get your blood work back? And I said, no, we didn't get it. He said, well, let me check it out. So he grabbed out his iPad and started punching stuff in. And he goes, I I don't think this is right. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, look at it. These liver enzymes are completely normal. And he said, is there anything that that you can think that's changed that that would give a reason for highly elevated liver enzymes to normal enzymes? And I thought to myself, well, really the only thing different is there's a whole bunch of people praying. There's a whole bunch of people that have been persistent. Now, you may be sitting there saying, Greg, that's totally a coincidence. And you know what? It may totally be a coincidence. I look at that as a object lesson. Be bold in your prayers. Be persistent in your prayers. What is on your heart What is weighing you down that you don't want anyone else to know and you've kept it to yourself and you're afraid that people are going to find out and maybe people will look at you differently? Be bold. Ask people to join you in persistent prayer. Here's why. Number three, verses um, 9 through 13 teach us that we have a promise from Jesus about our prayers and that's that God will answer every single prayer you pray now here's the caveat it's not always yes if you start praying today god make me a millionaire he's probably not answering that prayer and it probably wouldn't be good for most of us if he did answer that prayer yes god may very well answer that prayer no pray prayers with kingdom focus pray prayers connected to god's will for your life and i promise you God will answer your prayers. May not always be yes. God will answer your prayers. So that's part one. That's the word. I want to talk now about our world. And here's the number one question that skeptics and cynics and non-Christians ask about prayer. And that is, does prayer even matter? Why should we even pray and I could give you 44 reasons why you should pray. You're only getting four this morning, but I think they're important. And number one is this: we should pray because throughout Scripture, prayer was a regular staple of God fears and Christ's followers. All through the Old Testament, you see prayer as a regular staple of what God's people did. In fact, many times a day, they would gather and they would pray. It was a regular staple of their life. Jesus. Of course, he's teaching us today in Luke 11 about prayer. But what about Mark chapter 1? Mark chapter 1, he gets up very early in the morning. It's dark outside. Jesus is off praying. Disciples can't find him. They're worried about him. Don't worry. He's praying. Luke chapter 6 says that Jesus stayed up all night long praying before Jesus' darkest hour as a human. He's in the garden, and he's praying. Peter, James, and John, what are they doing? They're sleeping, but Jesus is praying. You go to the book of Acts, we're in the book of Acts in our daily Bible reading challenge. You want a fun exercise sometime? Read all 28 chapters, you're going to need a couple hours for this, and circle the number of times that prayer is a part of the early Christian discipline. In fact, our Bible reading for for tomorrow, Acts chapter 13, they're getting together with Paul and Barnabas, and they're all together and they're praying, and shazam! The Holy Spirit speaks to them. It's time to go on a missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas, pack your bags, and for two and a half years, they're planting churches, and it starts the missionary journey process. Prayer is the context. Second reason you should pray, prayer reveals God's will to us, God's will for us. And one of the things, I'm not good at this, but one of the things that I think I have learned from and has helped me as it relates to prayer is specifically praying, God, open a door if you want this to happen. God, close a door if you don't want this to happen. Adam, four weeks ago, his farewell message talked about how that was the heart of his prayer life as it pertained to staying or leaving. And how it just, even though he didn't really want to go to Cincinnati, it wasn't really on his bucket list of places to be, God just kept opening that door wider and wider and wider. Prayer reveals God's will to us. Number three, prayer changes us. My Sunday school class is going through the book of Philippians. And if you're not in a class, if you're not in, in, a, in a group that's studying, come to my class. It's, it's a lot of old people, but I like old people, and, and you should like old people too. I know we don't have a lot of old people in this service, but they're fun. They don't bite. It, it's a joy to be there, and we study the Bible. We're in Philippians chapter 1, and one of the things that Paul does in chapter 1 of the book of Philippians is he talks about how blessed he was by how the the Christians at Philippi were praying for him. And so I just opened it up to the class and said, I just want testimonies of the blessings that have happened in your life because your friends, or even people that aren't your friends, but are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, prayed for you. I couldn't stop them from talking. I couldn't shut them up. I mean, just story after story after story after story of transformation, of change that took place. Because Christians were praying for them. And you know, a couple of them were really clear. We didn't get the answer we were looking for. He he wasn't healed. She didn't keep her job. We still faced tragedy. But not a one of them said, boy, those prayers, what a waste of time. Boy, those prayers, they're no good at all. I I could go on and on about the difference that prayer makes in in my life, in your life, when we allow it to be a regular staple of who we are. And then number four, prayer helps us to keep the main thing, the main thing. It's so easy to get off focus, to take our eye off the ball, to forget who we are and why we're here. You know, last week's message, it's, it's not about you it's not about me. If you think 1045 on Sunday mornings is all about you, you are missing the mark. If you think it's all about me, you are missing the mark. It's all about Jesus. And prayer helps us to keep the main thing, the main thing. Okay, you have two, what would this be like, Valentine red, whatever, whatever, pink, something like this. You have two of these sheets, and one of them, if you're taking notes, is all filled in. Take the one that says focus on five. One of the things that we as a church are historically really bad about, and specifically myself as a preacher, really bad about, is we, we give messages on issues like this disciplines like this spiritual disciplines like this and it's chalked full of scripture and that's good and there's reasons why we should do it and that's good and then people go home and you know that they, they eat the barbecued pork for lunch and it, it doesn't really do anything not the pork the, the message itself doesn't really do a whole lot for them long term so i'm throwing out a 28 day prayer challenge and i can't make you do anything but i would love to make you take this challenge every person here If you're an every Sunday attender, if you're just here because someone made you come today, I want you to take out this piece of paper. No looking on one another's papers. Do this by yourself. But I want to look at how we can live out this core value of prayer in 2017. And I'm going to give you five areas that I want you to focus in. And I want you to write down one name or one thing or one group for each. Okay, so let's do this together. Number one, the first thing that I want you to do is hard. It's difficult. But it's in the arena of forgiveness. One person you need to forgive or one person you need to seek forgiveness from. No looking on each other's pages. Just eyes straight ahead. You know, pretend you're in algebra class with Mrs. Taylor. Just straight ahead, focus on your paper. One person you need to forgive or one person you need to seek forgiveness from. Even if you're saying they'll never forgive me, even if you're saying, they won't even talk to me. Right, play along with me this morning. Just play along and write down the name and let's see where this goes. One person you need to forgive, one person you need to seek forgiveness from. Number two, surrender. One area of your life that Jesus does not have total control of. And you know, m- maybe it is one of the big ten in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Or maybe it's something that our world today wouldn't even necessarily even say, say is a sin, like, like greed, not being able to find contentment, like um, gossip, slander. I, I would put unhealthy social media in there. Um, I've seen the really ugly side of social media, up close and personal, and it's awful. And when Christians are part of that, it's heartbreaking. So one area, Jesus needs to have it all. Number three, kingdom. I want you to write down one monthly mission partner that you will daily, for the next 28 days, lift up in prayer as they serve in the name of Jesus. Now, we have 27. I'm putting six up on the screen. Let's go next slide here. You don't have to do these six. If you know another one, if it's Lincoln Christian University, put Lincoln Christian University. But here's the six that I'm recommending. Little Galilee, one one of the most awesome ministries I know. A first among equals at FCC Missions. Um, They're undertaking their biggest project yet, the dining hall project. God's blessed them incredibly. They're asking God to bless them incredibly more. And so we need people praying for them. The Restoration House Ministry team out in New England, Dan Clymer and crew. Um, planning churches in the least church region of our country. And if you want a specific church, write down the name Quincy, Restore Church in Quincy. They're in the Boston area. That's the home of John Adams, John Quincy Adams. Um, Tough sledding there. They need prayer. Um, Kooky Christian Church Mission in India. ISU Encounter, um, Pete Coco and, and group do a great job at ISU. Co, Barbo Donahue, she's going to be with us, I think, in two weeks. Is that right, I think, two weeks? She's going to be here on Sunday morning. Um, we need to pray for her. Casas Por Cristo, Scott DeWitt, Kingdom. For leadership, I, I want everybody here, even if you don't know any of our elders, I want you to pray for one of our elders at FCC by name every day for 28 days. And I would just throw this, Kevin, if you find yourself in conflict with a leader for whatever reason, um, I want you to pick that person. And I want you to pray for that person. And I want you to pray that maybe that conflict will be resolved. Um, I got to be honest, I don't know why anyone would want to be a leader today. You, you look at what's happening on the national level, you look at what's happening on the local level a lot of times. And man, it's just wrong, quite frankly, the things that are said, the behaviors that are undertaken. And um, one more thing, it's probably going to get me in trouble with some people. Uh, If you are in a situation where where you're causing a problem to leaders of any stripe, church, community, whatever it may be, just stop. Don't do it anymore. It's not helpful. Pick a name, write the name down, pray for them. Now, there's a specific request I have for our leaders. In four weeks, we're going to do a vision retreat as a leadership and we're asking God to reveal to about 15 to 17 people his vision for this church. And so, so pray for that leader by name that God will speak to them. And then finally, number five, and I think this is the most important part of this list, calling it Jesus, one person in your life that needs the amazing, saving grace of God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe that's a person that's never fallen in love with Jesus. But for a lot of us, it might be someone that has faded away from Jesus. And we don't even want to think about what that even means or what that even looks like, but just that they will come home, spiritually speaking. Now, if you're here today, this is really kind of an intense challenge. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to write your name down. I want you to pray for yourself every day for 28 days. Now, you can memorize this list. My my list is memorized. I could rattle it off right now. But this piece of paper can go with you as well. To work, in the car, medicine cabinet, nightstand, refrigerator, whatever it may be. 28 days praying to Jesus, praying to the Lord. And so as I wrap this message up today... I want to kind of follow in Samuel's footsteps and and read a a chunk of Scripture as we close from the book of Colossians. I absolutely love this passage of Scripture and, and what we can gain from it about prayer. Here's what Paul says at the end of Colossians. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Focus on five. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to be here. Thank you for the chance to talk about prayer. And God, help us to stop talking and to start praying. God, help us to be a church that um, can be defined as... A people of prayer, a house of prayer. Help us to be individuals who embrace this call to pray. Thank you for Jesus, the great model that he was. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing two songs, is that right? Leading into communion. Um, And during this time, I'm up front, and I would love to have the opportunity to pray with you as these songs are being sung. Um, If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I invite you to come forward or to grab me afterwards. I'd love to talk with you about that as we stand together. And Samuel leads us in worship.